0: Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community and that you feel inspired by today's message. Good morning, everybody. Morning, so good to be with you guys. Uh, Really a special time to be reconnecting with you uh, on this book of Acts. Uh, we've, been, we've been dealing with this, um, this theme that we've been discussing called Back to the Future and, and really looking in depth at the book of Acts and what that it says about the church um, at large. You know, one of the things that's really come out of, of uh, the times that we've been living in and the times that we're at is, I don't know if you've picked it up how people often whether it's an email or or it's in conversation people are just saying we live in interesting times or we 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 have to reinvent ourselves uh, we've pivoted from this and that and and yes th- these things are true yes these these things are real uh they've become part of our how are you now how are you you're living in interesting times um in the and i guess that's what it's our everyday life now it's it's it, it is what it is um, and I guess when, when we have living in interesting times or talking about reinventing ourselves, the question we have to ask ourselves, well, what, is, what does church have to do with that? What, is the, what does the Bible have to do with that? Um, I don't know if you're also seeing it like, like yes, the, you know, we're seeing a lot more people getting a little bit, well, they are getting comfortable with the times that we're living in a lot more is getting open now. Um, weddings are getting open, people are out more, connecting together in in various spaces. Um, And and the church has got a a space to play in that, if I can say that. Uh, And and the book of Acts, if you look at it in its core, is is the birth of the church and the growth of the church, really. So as things start opening up, as we see more and more people coming in and intently looking at it or... As, as, the, as the doors, so to speak, start opening up. We ha- we've had a look at, at what the church looks like uh, back then to, to see what it looks like to, to go forward in the church. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a quick recap. Uh, some of us are new, some of us are visiting. Uh, so I wanna paint a quick context about what we have discussed over the last three weeks um, in the book of Acts. So in the first week, Ross kicked us off in Acts 2, and we spoke here a lot about believers getting together, uh, meeting in one place, and, and the Spirit coming in and, and resting with people. People getting filled by the Holy Spirit, speaking other languages, and, and, and most people understanding them. So, so what, what Acts 2 showed us in this instance is that there were two people in one corner. There were the guys that, when those people spoke in many tongues, uh, understood and listened and understood. And there were the people that, when people spoke in the many tongues, they watched. And the people that watched said, These people are drunk. These people are high on something cooked. And the others, they listened and they understood, and people got gathered and, 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 and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So the, the big thing that we took out of that, the one question that we asked out of week one is, do we come to church to watch or do we come to church to listen? Are we here to, to see people label them or are we here to, to receive the word of God and listen and, and, and watch what Jesus does as he feels the Holy Spirit? In week two, Tim launched us into week two with this one sentence, boldness and power of the Holy Spirit. Tim engaged us with this one question, do we know who Jesus is? Very valid question because it seemed at that time even, that even those who spent a lot of time with Jesus sometimes didn't know who Jesus was. Peter was one such person. Peter often... He got it so wrong in many instances and so much so that it was the same Peter who, when a common person asked him or labeled him as a Jesus follower, he denied Jesus three times. Yet it was the same Peter who, once he understood who Jesus was, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they started to perform acts, if you can remember, uh, in this in this space here, we spoke about a man who was lame, who was sitting outside the church doors. And when Peter and the disciples went to go pray, this man was just begging. He said, help me, heal me, or help me with anything. And Peter said to him, look, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have is, is the power of Jesus Christ. And he grabbed the man by the hand and he lifted him up and this man was healed. And the council of churches at that time, if you want to call them that, didn't like that Peter had done these deeds on such a holy day. But, but Peter's boldness with the power that he had showed that he was obedient to his God than to man. In week three, we visited Acts three, we visited x three again. And in this In this week, we we looked at the same lame man who was sitting at those doors outside the church gates, the the gates. And this man who had not been able to walk, the the, the interesting about him was that while he could not walk, or his inability to walk had affected his attitude towards life. So he couldn't do anything about the fact that he, he couldn't walk, but he could do something about begging, but he chose to beg, right? He chose to be a, a beggar on the streets. And, and we, we dealt a lot with the idea of victimhood here. Yeah? You know, because what, what victimhood does is we look, we look to blame. It's a terrible place to often find oneself and what then happens is we, we, we spoke about when, when one's in victimhood, they, they look for dysfunctional comfort. And that what means is you, you look for anything to grab onto that will alleviate the, the pain or the sadness or the hurt or the anger that sits in your heart. And then what Peter does is he grabs this man's hand and he heals him. And and turns his, his life around in an instant. And this man, they say, he gets up, he walks, he runs, he jumps, he's all over the place. And again, here's, here's the interesting thing about this place is that when people saw him, they said he was high. Said he was high, and yet, what what had happened is that Jesus had set him free. It was quite an it's a, quite an interesting analogy that because. You know, substance, substance will give you a high, right? Like, we've seen that if you, if you drink a Red Bull, when there's a high, there's a, there's a low. Caffeine, when there's a high, there's a low. Substance will give you a high, but there'll always come a low. There's always an aftermath where Jesus will give you freedom. And when there's freedom, there's freedom. That's it. There's freedom, and this man was given freedom. So we, we did that, and in the context of the church starting to rebuild itself, as we see in the book of Acts, we see that in, in the context in which we've lived in, the church is, is going to continue to operate, move, and we're gonna come together. But one of the things that COVID has, has showed us, I guess, is there's things that we don't need and there's things that we do need. Whether good or bad, uh, I'll I'll focus on some of the, maybe the positives for some of us. You you hear people say, I used to have a big office with many staff and we used to go to work in these big offices and then COVID hit and then what happens? Uh, We go work from home and as the door started to open again, people were like, we'll continue to work from home. And the result of that, people don't need big offices anymore. People used to, I used to travel locally and globally for business, but you know, COVID came, lockdown, as things opened up, we realized that we've got Zoom, Skype, Teams that make it possible to interact with people on any fronts, business or otherwise, that we don't need to travel as frequently anymore. For the, for the brave appearance, and, and brave being in bold, the, the COVID came, you homeschooled, And some of you are like, when is it opening? But as things started to open up again, some parents were like, you know what? School fees. Don't need that. (laughs) Said no parent ever, apparently. (laughs) But, but, But the reality is some of us found a new ecosystem like that. We saw a lot of people bringing in things that kept them alive and, and show them a, a new way of doing things. You know, after, after the hard lockdown, we were allowed a little bit of curfew between six and nine to do walks and runs and so on. And the promenades were full of people who suddenly discovered that they loved fitness. <laughs> suddenly. You know, I, I, I read a business report a couple of month, months after, towards the end of the year of 2020. And uh, it said, outside of the pharmaceutical industry, the, the biggest industry to profit from, from lockdown was home, home depots, so to speak. In that a lot of people, uh, men especially, could no longer have an excuse about why they hadn't fixed anything. So their wives were like, you will fix the leak, you will clean it up, you will paint, and cash builds home, da-da-da, they made, they profited from that. I say that lightly in that what it really did show us is that we were able to focus on the things that seemed to be important rather than the things that were, we, we thought we, we needed. It seemed, then, that we, we were able to tailor our lives around the facts that, you know what, we could focus and be intentional about really honing in on that stuff that we need, the stuff that is important. You know, the church also knew that it was important to keep on gathering, so we made plans, right? We, we opened up online churches. We opened up an ability to connect. You know, the, the teams worked so hard to, to deliver an hour of service every, during the week. This, you should have seen it, it was like a little studio here with white walls and green walls. It was, it was phenomenal, guys, what the guys did, but they knew that we had to continue to open. But while a lot can be said about that stuff, while a lot can be said about doing things differently, one of the things that I, I can't help but ask is, what of the church then? What, about, what of us in church? And what I mean by that is, what of us being in church and what of us being the church? What does that look like now? So we're gonna dive into the book of Acts again, Acts 2, verse 36 to 47. And we're gonna see as a first basis what it looked like when people did gather in church. So it says here, therefore, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and, and um, possessions to give to anyone who in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their numbers. It's a, it's a piece of scripture that speaks to reaching people. So what happens when we get together? The, the scripture shows us when we get together, we are able to practice the true authenticity of our faith. The reading of scripture, the breaking of bread, prayer, praise and worship. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't mean to creep you out online and, and, and here, but there's sometimes when we are praised and worshiping, I open my eyes and I look around and around you see people with their eyes closed, crying tears and in absolute submission to the Lord. And I don't know how you guys feel, but that does something to me. It, 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 it almost whether it gives me permission to do the same or it fills me with the spirit that I'm with people who understand what Jesus has done. It does something to us when we gather in a place like this and then we see a community of people who lift their hands up praising God. Or reading in scripture, right? Like, yes, you know, we've done church online and it it had to be done. But there's, there's something incredible about gathering here in this community of strangers who have one thing in common: our faith. The, the, the gathering here, it's, it's as if the, the Bible sh- sh- knew that we would face times like this, and that our faith would be tested, and our ability to gather would be tasted, would be tested. I beg your pardon. You know, when we, when we gather, we, we get to see miracles. Miracles like we saw this morning. I don't know if you saw what we saw this morning. A person who just submits themselves to God and you then watch what God does to their heart. An unexplainable cry, like why are they crying? Well, the only way that we can explain it is God in us, right? God with us, in his presence. And sure, I'm not dismissing that that can't happen online. I'm just saying, the people that are sitting here today saw something very different, felt it even. The gathering of of believers was so crucial back then as it is now. I said, we, we share spaces with strangers who share common values and beliefs. You know, people... People come in in gatherings. People are connected to this. We have stories and stories of people who've walked past this church, stopped for no reason they can explain, and wondered, what is going on in here? I wanna be part of this, right? People come, and Jesus said it so well. He said, you know, a new commandment that I give unto you. And he didn't say that you make money. He didn't say that you, a new commandment that you go surf. A new commandment that you go play touch rugby. He said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, right? And the beautiful part about that scripture says, people will know you are my disciples. People will know that you belong to me by the way you love each other people will know that they will go, I don't know what those people are about, but look at how they love each other. I want to be part of that. That's what gathering is is so, and and I think Jesus understood that. He understood that we connected through his word. So in, in saying all of that, I couldn't help, introspectively, I will say it firstly, ask myself and ask ourselves have we maybe become spiritually lazy have we excused convenience for laziness or mistaken comfort for efficiency yeah i i, I you admire parents still like parents do a phenomenal job uh, folks who used to come to the 8 o'clock service but by the time they've come to the eight o'clock service, or even now the ten o'clock service, they've got the kids ready, they've got the husband ready and shaved, and they've got him, they've got him in, they've got the family in church by the time the first song starts, right? And then online services come and then starts being oh, no, it's a click of a button. Less hassle, it's efficiency. Forgetting what we miss when we connect together. In this space, and maybe it's not just a, a, a comfort thing or, or efficiency thing. We know that as people, we like to fill up our, we like to be busy, we like a certain degree of productivity. Maybe it's doing stuff that that makes us come alive, you know, occupying that time and space with something different. So instead of going to church, you're now, you know, you're doing something else, whatever the case might be. I was having a conversation with a fellow worshiper from um, Olive Tree, North Coast, uh, yesterday. And he was telling me about this journey with him and his family. So they used to be intentional about going, getting to church nine o'clock at North Coast. And then lockdown happened. And then as things opened, you know, granted they had online services and then get the family together and they would online church. Then he realized, oh, Sundays are really lekker to go Bike riding, So he started bike riding and he didn't want to, So instead of doing church on Sunday, he'll do church on Monday. He's got a trip to Pinetown that he does. So he's got time to listen to the whole service on Monday to church. So he decided to allocate that time to that. A couple of weeks later, he got this huge sort of scare or epiphany or what you want to call it, that while he was getting the service himself on his way to work, He wasn't sitting with his kids and they weren't getting the service anymore. So he was getting it, but the children weren't. It's quite an amazing thing that while we're trying to be convenient, we forget what we miss. So have we become spiritually lazy? And I, and I ask this question knowing full well, guys, that we still live in very interesting times. COVID is real. And I'm not saying this in, in any way to in resistance against any government protocol, etc. I am asking the question on the basis that we do live in these things, how do we then do this? And the best way to do that is through scripture. So I'm gonna come with you at you guys with a lot of scripture this morning. So please do bear with me. So what does the Bible instruct us to do? Hebrews ten, twenty-three to twenty-five. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. No matter who we are and how much capacity we think we have, we all need encouragement. We all need to spur each other on. We all need love and we all need accountability. But here's the thing, the voice that might be next to you at home might be not the right voice that you need encouragement from. Let me tell you why. So. On some days, on some days, my wife will, you know, she'll get dressed, get ready for work, and she'll say, hey, babe, how do I look, right? And usually, and all the time, without fail, I'll tell her, she looks flawless. It's the right thing to do. Gentlemen, it's the right thing to do. She looks perfect. But, but, I can often sometimes sense a frustration from her side. Because she knows I'm saying that she looks flawless because it's the right thing to say. So what she'll do, she'll often she'll call a friend. She'll say, Well I look? A friend will like, I like the dress, don't like the shoes. Like the makeup, don't like this. Try this, try that. And here's what I'm trying to get to is that her friend will, is more concerned about my wife putting her best foot forward than just her saying the right thing. And when often when we gather in spaces where there's family, the family will just want to say the right thing, right? When we gather as a community of strangers, when we are accountable to each other in this way, people will say the things that we need to hear. It won't be comfortable, but there'll be growth. We need that encouragement. We need that accountability. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another and build each other up. So I've been on a sort of preaching journey for the last three years or so, and, and that's required a lot of mentoring, a lot of, a lot of learning, because the, the foundation of, of any school like ministry also is allowing God to speak and not not from knowledge. So my accountability team was Ross and Paul and Gary. So I would often write, a, 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 get a sermon ready, get it prepped. And here's, here's what you need to know. Average, average preach is around 5,000 words long, about eight to 10 pages, right? So you write this thing, send it via email, off it goes to Ross or Paul or, Okay, Ross gets it, looks at it, comes back with feedback. because goes, okay, you can keep that, but you need to take that out, you need to take that out. Maybe keep that, take that out. Too. And often, some early days, by the time I received my, my beautiful, beautiful sermon, it had 20 words left in it. <laughs> here's, here's what could happen. I could send it, hypothetically, to Tim and say, Tim, what do you think? And Tim will go, shup, let's go, go for it. Tell them that, right? But I want to surround myself with people who are more concerned with my growth than my comfort. I want to surround myself with people who want to see me develop than see just happy smiles all the time. And that's what we get when we gather as a community of believers. That sense of accountability. In Matthew 12, verse 30, it says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. You know, the, the idea of scattering is not just, it's not just like disappearing from church. It's being overconsumed by other things in your life. That's, that's the idea of scattering. It's, it's not just going, "Well, I'm not here anymore." It's really just taking on new things. I, I say, you know, when when, um, when I was eight years old, our folks sent us to boarding school. we were naughty, and my mom was like. Done, we're done with you. Go, go be somebody else's problem. And and we were, what I loved about boarding school in reflection was that our calendars were always full. From the time we woke up till the time we went to sleep, we always had something going on. What that meant is that there was little time to wonder. There was little time to cause trouble. The foundation of who we are is set on who Jesus was to us and what he did for us. And when we scatter, when we're not with him, we scatter. We get consumed by alcohol, by drugs, or other fulfillment stuff. You you fill in the gap when we're not gathered. Deuteronomy 31, 12, and 13 says, Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your town so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of his law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing, the Jordan to possess. Further down in the book of Judges, it speaks of the Israelites' having moved into the promised land and conquering nations upon nations. And it says there, then a generation, so a new group of people were raised that did not know the Lord. So if you, or God and the works that he had done. So if you take a step back, you must remember that from the book of Genesis right through a big part of that early Old Testament, it speaks about, you know, the Israelites were captured. They were in Egypt. Then God frees them. Then he takes them to the desert. But in the desert, he provides for them, right? He gives them food. He gives them water. He gives them shelter. And then he takes them into the to the land, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And in there, they go, oh, these giants. But God says, I'm with you. Do not worry. And they conquered these said giants. But here in the book of Judges, they say, these, this generation did not know who that God was. So what they did is they made idols and they started worshiping those idols. God forsook them. You see, when we get sidetracked, when when we think we've got it together and start or stop gathering as a, as a group, we often think it's only affecting us. It's only gonna, but what it's essentially doing is the next generation is gonna be forgotten. They will not know who God is. And the the biggest fear around that is, what we know about life is that life will hit you in the stomach so hard that all you can do is get down on your knees. When you get down on your knees, you're gonna pray to something. You're gonna ask something for help, right? And if your generation, the new generation come and life hits them as hard as we have been hit, they're gonna ask to cling on to something And if we keep telling the stories of how God did this, how Jesus did this, as we gather as a community of believers and we tell testaments of how people were saved and how I was saved, that generation will have a hope to know who Jesus is in their lives. They will have a hope. We gather because a community of believers is accountable to each other. It raises a generation of a community of believers. When we don't gather that generation is at risk of not knowing who their God is. And then they have a God fill in the gap. In Matthew 24, 4, verse 8 says, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth, birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. And that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be pre- preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. People will come and claim that they're their Messiah. That's what Jesus says. People will tell you that you are one Medicine away from being saved, that there's a pot of gold waiting for you if you just do this, do that, do that. They will deceive. Sure, we've, we've needed a lot of clinging on to, I know we have. We've needed a lot of, of help in times such as this. But Jesus warns us that He is the true Savior, He tells us that. In Ephesians 4, to 16, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." There will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of of, of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. For him the whole body joint and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work we form the body of Christ. We function because we are together. You know, I I, I see that in times like this, where words like reinventing ourselves, pivoting and all these things, we are a generation and we live in a time where we're probably the most open-minded society there has existed and, and that is good in many instances but being open-minded also means that we are subject to receiving everything that comes our way, right? That's what open mindedness is. If we do not build our foundation on who Jesus is, if we do not gather as a community of believers, get a little bit accountable to each other, a sense sense that our lives will be impacted in a negative way, not because something bad will happen, but because our faith will be rocked and we will not know who Jesus is. You know, part of our faith is, yes, to believe in things unseen, but a lot of our faith rests in some evidence, evidence that people do get saved. We see that in these times. And when we are a community of believers, we feel it. You know, you, you, you sit together in, as we do in, in, um, in our people spaces, so to speak. But there are strangers that are gathered around you. Somebody who might not know who Jesus is. When we gather, imagine this. You are standing up you raise your hands in the air and there's a person you've never met who is sitting five seats in front of you, back or left or right of you. You don't know. And you are praising the Lord your God. Maybe you are saying, you created the heavens of earth. You know the stars. You know them by name, but you care for me too. Maybe you're saying, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. And that person hears that. And maybe they say, Me too. Me too. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Because of His grace. He who loved me. He who died on the cross so that I might be saved. We gather. We gather in that fellowship. We gather like this, in times like this, so we can reach the lost. So maybe if I was lost, I will be found. Thank you for your time, can we say? Please bow your heads. Before I I pray, there will be uh, people in front who, if you're looking for prayer, uh, will pray for you. this this place that we've created is a safe space for you to be vulnerable. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you have given us. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins, that we might be free. Not high, but free. Free from the bondage of life. Free from fear, Lord God. We thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you paid. As we continue, Lord Jesus, in this journey of faith, as opportunity allows us to gather in many ways, true gathering happens when we are connected together in this way. We ask, Lord Jesus, open your people's hearts, Lord Jesus, that they may be with you in spaces like this. The true transformation of, of our hearts and our lives happens when we meet, Lord God. Bring us in if we have scattered, we pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Allow us to be encouraged, Lord Jesus, by people who we might not know or spend too much time with, but who have the right intentions for our lives to grow. Let us seek growth over comfort. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.